Welcome to the Leadership Well program to empower learning, leading, and living well. This program is produced and hosted by Natalie Butoh-Wills. Podcasts and information are available at the Leadership Well Center, www.leadershipwell.com. Hello and welcome to the Leadership Well podcast. I'm your producer and host, Natalie Buto-Wills. Information and recordings are available at leadershipwell.com. Several years ago and since, as a Global Wellness Summit delegate, I've had the opportunity to learn about the growing trend in wellness real estate and wellness communities. To meet at one of these summits, Mr. Steve Nigren, who's a leader in this space. He's the CEO and founder of Serenity, which is a, a role model, a growing role model in global wellness real estate and continuing to grow and influence other communities around the country and, uh, and globally as well. So I'm delighted that you could join us, Steve. Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So I had heard about Serenby a while ago and had been curious about it and had the opportunity to visit. And as I said, it's a, it is a role model. The New York Times uh, describes it as a, uh, a utopian experiment. And how would you describe, can you paint a kind of a, a visual picture for the listeners of the community? Uh, well, it's, um, it's it's a great place to live. While we're called, you know, a wellness community, an agrarian community, nerve, new urbanism, uh, an environmental community, uh, we're we're all these things, and and everything we're doing uh, would have been things that you would naturally have found in a town, small town that was developed a uh, hundred years ago we we have a tendency to so categorize things and we've so stepped away from what i think of as common sense living and common sense development of of small towns uh that that, that we do try to identify what it is and while there are all these various categories that all are true uh none of them singularly really describe us and so we, we think of ourselves as a biophilic model in development uh, because it really connects and respects all living systems. And that's really what Serenby uh, demonstrates in, in, in a very natural and organic uh, uh, way. I, I agree that it's not uh, necessarily so easy to encapsulate in, in description because I know when I uh, tell people visiting there, for about a month uh, and trying to describe it and you know and trying to you know send pictures or, or send a website and so part of it is a is a feeling right so you know we can describe it in words and, and to me part of it is, is a feeling for example the idea of hearing a, a sense of silence and there was something that you know having lived in different parts of the country including the northwest which really does have a tendency to honor more the sustainability and 
and, and, and green living and, and wellness, um, uh, but more recently or generally in South Florida and the Northeast, is that sometimes we don't realize until we're outside of that environment, or for example, when I when it's in your community, is to appreciate the the, uh, the quiet and to realize how much noise we often do have around us. That's right. And also the idea that the integration, really, you know, it's a concept that I've been interested in fascinating with for a while, the idea that you can live or we can live in a place and also have that access to nature um, and also conveniences too, because oftentimes people feel maybe they have to choose one or the other, but in this context, people can have nature, but then also restaurants or shops, community gatherings, yoga, meditation, events, things that you're bringing in, including uh, culture from Atlanta, being uh, so close really to a major city and to a major airport, but really bringing those pieces pieces together. Yeah, that's one thing. Those are all the things that make Serenby unique that you do not find many places. Right. And now I know that so the history is, is interesting, and it's an example of how one person really can carry out such a vision. So it's something that maybe a lot of people might dream about, but you've been able to do that. And it started with the idea of beginning in your in your backyard, right, with exploring more the, the countryside in uh, the Atlanta area. So uh, share a little bit more about about the history. Well, I'm a restaurateur, uh, opening restaurants around the country, living in the center of Atlanta, a very urban uh, person. Um, and in the uh, early 90s, we were exploring uh, purely uh, to show our children animals. Our, our kids were uh, three, five, and seven. And we saw in the back of the Georgia Preservation newsletter that there was a historic farm for sale uh, just southwest of the airport. Uh, well, I was curious if there was really open land. And uh, we thought it'd be fun to just pull in and show the kids uh, farm animals. So I called to clarify they did have animals and clarify that I wasn't interested in buying anything. Uh, but um, if they wouldn't mind, we would uh, like to show the kids. And of course, anyone with something for sale says, come on. Uh, we uh, arrived, they had the Shetland pony saddled and we bought the farm. Hmm. Uh, that was our weekend getaway then for three years. And it really changed my perspective on what was important. Uh, our house in the city was a beautiful house in the center. Uh, we could walk two blocks one way to the High Museum and all the restaurants on Peachtree Street uh, and shops, and three blocks the other way to the Piedmont Park and the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. And we were never going to leave. Uh, it, was, it was just an ideal urban uh, residence. But to my surprise, the kids were all happy to leave the big pool and everything money could buy for the weekends in the country where we had rented the main historic house out. So we were squeezed into a small two-bedroom shack uh, with no toys and uh, only connection to nature. And we were just a different family and I could see the kids were different uh, during those times. And so through that value shift in 94, I decided to sell uh, my restaurant company, uh, 36 restaurants in eight states. Uh, we sold the big house. I resigned from many of the boards and we stepped off the treadmill. And then in my seventh year of retirement, 
one morning on a jog. We then owned 300 acres. Uh, and on the edge of that property, we had a trail. And as we were jogging along up over the hill one morning, uh, I encountered a bulldozer clearing the trees on the forest next to me. I ran out and I stopped him and I said, what are you doing? And he says, we've just been hired to clear the trees. I guess they're putting houses here. That's what always happens. And with that, I panicked, uh, dashed back to call the retired doctor and uh, who owned it, and I couldn't get a hold of him. And five weeks later, he returned uh, from Europe, and I found that he'd sold it uh, to someone down the road who wanted to put a pasture airstrip in for his little prop plane. So the immediate panic was over, but in the five weeks, I, I had another 600 acres under contract trying to just protect my own backyard. And I realized that even 900 acres in the path of development does not protect you. And that began my journey, is to understand what we needed to do. I ended up bringing, spending the next two years bringing 500 landowners together uh, for really uh, incredible zoning overlays for a 40,000 acre area. Because I've noticed places around the country where uh, a model comes in, but it really doesn't change the immediate area. And if anything, it accelerates it. And so, uh, that led then to me deciding to develop our own land. And thus, we have the serendipity that you see today. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it's an example, and as you say, about the idea of beginning in your own backyard and how one, one project uh, led to a, a much big, bigger project. So not only protecting your own backyard, but you helped to create a backyard and a front yard for many more people and for a much broader community. When you, when you talked about how your, your kids were, uh, you know, initially, and, and you and your family maybe not so inclined to leave, leave the urban comforts, um, but then did, and being pleasantly surprised about that, that was one of the things I, I noticed and was impressed with is that really the diversity of the community, really in, in multi-generations, and that how many young people I saw were you know, playing in the trees or uh, connecting with each other and very few electronics, you know, whether it was outside or whether it's sitting at a restaurant or cafe is the way that people were more likely to engage with each other than um, relying on external toys or uh, other devices. A big part of the problem with kids being on screens isn't the kids. It's that the parents live in places they are they're afraid to let them out. And so the parents become the chauffeurs and they can't always chauffeur their kids to those play dates or it just doesn't happen naturally. They're literally the play date. And so kids, you know, if they have a choice between being in the house with their parents on a screen or being out in the woods without the parents and with their friends, guess which one they're going to naturally choose. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Right, it's good. It's not the idea of um, trying to pull people away from screens. It's more about giving them a, a better, a better choice or one that's more naturally drawn to. And um, yeah, and there was times I saw just that natural joy of uh, there was rain and just being able to play in the uh, rain. And 
and really, and I think Avon saw signs along these lines, is that this is not, the concept's not just limited to kids having fun. Adults can have fun as well, too. That's right. Now, this uh, will begin as the backyard now, a community that's, um, I've read some point, maybe about 700 residents and, and growing. So where are, um, kind of where are you at now? And I know there's also plans for the future. And I remember really getting a, very interested in the idea that, you know, you're creating more of this multi-generation. You know, we are, we have 1,200 acres and uh, neighboring land. And so uh, we have only developed uh, maybe about uh, 35% of our developable land. So there's uh, a lot more yet to happen. Any, uh, any plans that you can share generally? If, if you're here now, we're, uh, the Omega that is Mata, which is our third, we are, have now released uh, another 130 lots to builders. And so that's all going to be uh, coming up out of the ground in the next two years. And how does this, because I know you also had talked about uh, at some point the idea of how this connects with the local community and, and how this is going to impact really more broadly the region and connecting even to Atlanta. We're, we're part of the urban uh, metropolitan Atlanta area. Uh, and so this all totally connects and totally gives a choice of housing types. And it's very unique that you have this sort of European village setting in the middle of the woods, but really right here in the metro Atlanta area. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is one of the unique aspects and uh, being able to draw from that and like looking sometimes at the upcoming events. And I know some of that has changed in this in this past year, but still being able to do that, for example, having concerts in the uh, in the in the forest, and uh, so really that that blend of having nature, but also kind of more urban, cosmopolitan, uh, cultural, and there was the uh, also the art exhibition drawing upon people from really various places uh, as well. So, uh, of course, Georgia has been Atlanta and Georgia have been in the news and really a lot happening in that area. And you're a part of this uh, dynamic area. And uh, so maybe not everybody can either visit or move to Atlanta or Georgia. However, what's interesting or exciting and interest to people listening is that you're influencing other communities, gone to other places and had meetings. And then a lot of people have also come to visit Serenby to to get ideas or to also be inspired about that. So can you share more about how what what you're doing is influencing other areas? We're always happy any of these things apply to other places. And so we have formed once a year. And then uh, we are happy to help people who uh, really have the funds and the determination make that happen. And we, you know, working with people from Australia to Scotland and... Yeah, so you're referencing the uh, the, the annual conference or, or gathering that you have for uh, people who are interested in learning more about this um, along these lines. And, uh, and it's great to share those best practices and I'm sure people can learn from the challenges or, you know, the opportunities really Along the way of along the way of doing this, and in this past year, with the challenges we've had in the world, it's also propelled people more to think about wellness, and and there has been more interest uh, 
it was already a growing trend, but I think you know more interest in people paying attention to how we live and and um, and, and living well. Now, one of the things that I think happens sometimes in the area of wellness, whether you know somebody teaches along these lines or you know what you're doing in terms of wellness community, is that when uh, we or somebody is a professional wellness person, is the importance of also paying attention to our own individual wellness. So what are some of the things that, that you do to stay on track, right? Or to uh, you know, make sure that you're living well, however that looks to you? Well, I think being engaged is living well. Because of the way Sarah laid out, walking is very This morning, for instance, I, I, I walked 20 minutes to the gym, gym workout with a trainer, walked back. We have the farms, I eat all fresh food, a natural lifestyle. Yeah, great examples. And uh, it, it helps when it's more convenient. And that's what I found, you know, too, being there is, or really in general, the idea of being able to walk places and to have the foods, whether it's a farmer's market or, or cafes or um, local or organic offerings, to have that be convenient and not necessarily that you have to get in your car and drive somewhere and it becomes more of a uh, more of a to do, right? So the, the more that we can make things convenient, exercise as well, having access to that. Yeah, good to see that you're living that, and I think that's a definitely an important part of leadership. And we look at leaders and and what they do and what they say, and it's as much about how they live, and and that becomes so you're a role model, not just the community, but and I recall just seeing how. You talked about engagement and how you engage with people that live there and people get to know each other more um, more readily. Correct. Anything else that you would like to share about about the community, about uh, what you see upcoming, about other uh, areas that are that you're influencing? I know you also thinking about uh, seniors as well too, with the whole spectrum, kids to seniors. No, we're looking on the bookends of our society, both the children and seniors, and we're certainly looking to address that. Uh, for people that are interested, you can go to our webpage at www.serenby.com, and that gives you a, a good look at what we're doing. Uh, but many people say, you know, the only way you can see it is because the pictures don't quite capture uh, the experience. Right. Emily and uh, any of your listeners, you know, we have five restaurants and shops, and uh, uh, we're an open community, no gates, so uh, everyone's welcome. That's right, and um, yeah, also add that yes, people can can buy their rent there, but there's also opportunities for short-term rentals. You also have an inn. People who just might be in the area as well can come in for to eat or to go to the farmers market or for other events as well. So yeah, you can check out the website, and um, yeah, thank you for. For what you're doing, I having heard about it for a while, interested in a while, it was it was really a great to experience it personally, and also really inspiring and encouraging to know how this is becoming a model for other areas and that uniqueness and the idea of being able to integrate that and offering those options for for people. And like you say, also the multi generational aspect. So it's not just okay, we have some nice communities that are just for families and some maybe for seniors, but the idea that People of different lifestyles can can come together, and and also being able to live in an environment that's that's comfortable, 
but that really has the blend of the different aspects of, of wellness. I look forward to your Sounds good. Thank you for making the time today. Absolutely. Take care now. Thank you for tuning in to the Leadership Well program, produced and hosted by Natalie Buto-Wills. Podcasts and information are available at leadershipwell.com.